Hi, I'm Erin, and welcome to Unlikely Grace, where the time we spend together in the written Word of God is not just time spent on a page, but time spent with a person, the person of Jesus. My goal each week is to guide you through a time of reflection on a passage from the Bible where you can listen and respond and delight in connecting with the living Word through His written Word. Last week, we read 1 Timothy 1.5, and we saw that the goal of God's instruction to us is love, and that this love springs from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Today, we're going to take a closer look at that first dimension of love, a pure heart. What is that beautiful promise of Jesus in the Beatitudes? That the pure in heart will see God. And I personally don't think that this is a seeing that's only reserved for someday far away in eternity, but that when our hearts are purely His, we will begin to see Him everywhere, in everything. And isn't that what we are desperate for in those wilderness seasons? In the Old Testament, there's an expression that pops up a lot. It's this idea of being upright in heart. And I see it kind of as the Old Testament equivalent of the pure in heart of the Beatitudes. That word for upright in Hebrew, it actually means straight. So if you were asking someone in Hebrew for directions and they replied, it's right there, straight ahead, that's what the word upright means. And walking a straight path is highly esteemed in scripture. We see multiple exhortations to stay the course and not deviate a smidgen to the left or to the right. Being upright in heart is setting my sights on the goal and not getting distracted. It's laying aside every weight of sin in light of that goal so that I can run faster and freer. I think we attempt sometimes, though, to walk this straight path through sheer act of the will. I grew up singing, I have decided to follow Jesus, and maybe you did too. And if I'm not careful, I can begin to think that following Jesus depends solely on the strength and the determination of my resolve. But then I end up overlooking what it is that Jesus is really asking of me my attention. He's asking for the affection of my divided heart. There is this great illustration that the Victorian art critic John Ruskin used to show just how powerful focused attention can be. He described two artists and how they would paint a tree. One is imaginative and the other artist is not. The unimaginative one would constantly be thinking about what a tree should look like. They would make sure that their trunk was growing true to life. They would include the correct number of limbs, making sure that they were branching in a natural looking way. They would follow all the rules, but their second guessing style would kind of resemble a drunken man wandering side to side down the road. With their constant attention to the rules, 
they probably would succeed in avoiding the ditches of error on either side of the road, and they would probably end up with something that looked like a natural tree, but their finished product would lack wholeness. The parts would be so disjointed that Ruskin says you could probably remove one part without really affecting the appearance of the rest of it. Now, what about that artist with the vivid imagination? They would be able to see in their mind's eye exactly the tree that they are painting. They would throw off the constraints of the rules and they would be able to paint with freedom because they know as straight as an arrow what they're aiming at. Their path isn't meandering. They lay their strokes confidently because they're not concerned with what it should look like. Their imagination knows what it does look like. And that's where they focus their attention. And the result? Their tree is a cohesive work of art. Its parts are seamlessly joined, working together to create the picture of wholeness. And Ruskin says you wouldn't be able to remove a single leaf or the tiniest twig without the whole thing collapsing. I see in this comparison an illustration for how we are called to live. When I live my life or I make decisions based on what I think life should be or what a good person should do, I'm fighting a losing battle. I'm simply keeping up appearances, but I'm getting distracted by the ditches on either side of the road. And if I'm honest, maybe even wondering all the while deep down what it would be like to abandon the road altogether and roam through the fields of rebellion. You know, that imaginative artist, they were able to throw off the constraints of the rules and paint with freedom. And that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But true freedom doesn't come from trampling hedgerows and blazing a new trail on the other side. Freedom comes from having a laser focus. It comes from not losing sight of our destiny and our purpose as created beings. And when Jesus was tested by the Pharisees, and they asked him one time, which was the greatest commandment in the law? Oh, and these Pharisees, they loved to nitpick and order and reorder the laws according to importance. I mean, talk about getting distracted by ditches. But Jesus answered them with the laser focus of an infinitely imaginative artist. He said that all the law hangs on the commandments to love God and love others. What a perfect example of fixing our aim straight as an arrow. I think sometimes when we think of purity and purifying our hearts, we can mistakenly think that it's all about purifying our actions. But no matter the time and energy that we spend purifying our actions, it will never penetrate deep enough to purify our hearts not until Jesus captures our attention and enamors our affection. Our hearts are only pure when they are purely His. So, firstly, this love that we are after is going to overflow from a heart like that. 
one that is captivated by Jesus, the living word. You'll notice on the journaling page that we're going to use in our upcoming times of reflection that each of these springs of love that Paul talks about in 1 Timothy 1.5 have been assigned an action step. And for this first one, for a pure heart, our action step will be this. Be attentive. I am convinced that the purity of heart that affords us a vision of God has much more to do with our attention and affection than it does with our pretension or perfection. I hope you'll join me again in the next episode as we take a closer look at that second spring of love, a good conscience. That's it for this week. If you haven't downloaded the journaling page yet to accompany our reflection sessions, you can find it at erinheatherevans.com. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you most love to listen to podcasts. And if you want to connect in other ways, you can always find me at erinheatherevans.com or on Facebook or YouTube or Instagram. And if you know someone who would benefit from these times of drawing near to Christ through the scriptures, I would love it if you shared this episode with them and invited them into this journey of learning to live in love with the living word. I leave you with the words of St. Benedict, a prayer for you to tuck into your heart this week and carry with you. Gracious and Holy Father, give me wisdom to perceive you, intelligence to fathom you, patience to wait for you, eyes to behold you, a heart to meditate upon you, and a life to proclaim you. Through the power of the Spirit of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.